hope you all had a good week this week and stayed out of trouble and all that. I doubt as many of you did that. But uh, this week, uh, I don't know. We've all got friends, neighbors, and so forth out there. I don't know if you ever run into it at all when people ask you questions. Uh, many times you'd be talking with someone and you knew they weren't saved and you knew that they didn't know God. Uh, they ask you a question. Well, I would like to uh, come to church and everything, but first of all, I've got to get myself right with God. I mean, you better, better have you to tell you that. I need to get right with God. You, you by yourself are not going to get right with God. Only God is going to get you right. And what we need to do is to come into his house. But a lot of people don't realize that they, they, they think that they have gone beyond God's help. Able that God won't forgive them for some of the things they've done. That uh, people in the church will not accept them because of things they've done. But you know, we got a merciful and a gracious God full of mercy, full of compassion, full of love that he wants us to come to him. He wants to forgive our sins. He wants to wrap his arms around us and love us. He wants us in his house. We, regardless of what we've done, when we come to Jesus Christ and ask for forgiveness, he forgives us. And, and we're going to go to heaven. But many people think that they have to do so many different things. They think they work their way into heaven. We can't work our way into heaven. They think that, you know, uh, I'll just do good deeds. I'll help people. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go to church. And I feel like if I go to church, then I'll be okay. And I'm talking about accepting God. And I'm talking about, you know, coming to the altar. They're just talking about being present in church. You'd be surprised how many people are in church, but they're not in God. We have to just simply come before God and ask Him, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. And I want you to ask you to forgive these sins and receive me unto yourself as my Lord and Savior. Now how hard is that to do? God made salvation very, very simple. He made salvation very simple. But there's a lot of people, that's one of their questions. How do I get right with God? Somebody asked you that, what would you tell them? Somebody come up to you and ask you, what do I do to get right with God? Well, the first thing we have to do is we must understand, first of all, what's wrong? What's wrong in our life? You know what's wrong in our life? Sin. Every single one of us has committed sin. Every one of us are guilty of it. The Bible says, no, there is not one righteous person. We're all guilty of sin. And there's no one that does good. That's what, you know, even God said, no one does good. In Psalms 14.3, it says, They are all gone astray, men, 
flesh has all gone astray. They are all together, but they have become filthy. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And you know, and they say that man's heart is one of the most evil things there is about a man. The thoughts that come through all that heart, the things that are said, the way a person feels, they said the heart is evil. But God can change that heart. He can take that old hard, stony heart and give you a soft, pliable heart that he can work with. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to give you that soft heart that he can do something with. And you know, we have all failed and we have all rebelled against God's commandments. Every one of us. There's so many people out there in the world right now that... They have done so much in their life, they just, like I said, they feel like they can't be forgiven. But we can. We can be forgiven simply when we come to God and ask Him in faith and with our heart to forgive us. You know, Ezekiel 18.4 says that there's some bad news out there. That the penalty for sin, what's the penalty for sin? death. That's the penalty for sin. If you do not get rid of sin, you're determined. You are headed for a fiery pit. In Ezekiel 18.4 it says, Behold, all souls are mine as a soul of the Father. So also the soul of the Son is mine. We all belong to God and the soul that sins shall die you know God is saying you all belong to me but the soul that sins and does not repent does not ask for forgiveness that soul will die the good news is that a loving God has brought us salvation. God has sent us salvation. You know, uh, Jesus said in Luke 19.10, he says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. That's why Jesus came. To seek and save those who are lost. That's why he came. Now, if, 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 if he wasn't going to forgive sin, he went through a lot of pain and suffering for nothing, didn't he? No, he wants to forgive us of our sin. I, you know, we, we get to thinking. They talk about that thief that's on the cross next to Jesus. They really don't know what all he did. A lot of them say that he was more like probably a murderer. They know he was a thief. They, they, they know he was a very sorry person. But yet, he only had just moments to live. And in those last few moments, he said something to Jesus. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. In other words, he was saying, I know and I believe you are the Son of God. 
And I'm asking you to remember me, forgive me of my sin that I have committed, and remember me when you come into your kingdom. What did Jesus say? This day you shall be with me in paradise. This very day you're going to be with me. Just think, the last few moments of that thief's life, Jesus changed that thief. He brought him out of hell and put him in heaven. I've had people ask me at funerals, do you think my loved one is in heaven? I can't answer that. I just simply tell them, I said, you know, we never know what takes, the, what takes place in the life of a person the last few minutes of their death. And, I, and we talk about the thief. The last few moments of his death, he, he was bound for hell. But he asked God, Jesus Christ, to remember him. Now how do we know that, what, that, that maybe somebody you know, and you say, well, they never went to church. That thief never went to church. There's a lot of things that, that, that they have done, and this thief has probably done worse. But in those last few minutes, Jesus saved him. We don't know what happens. We don't know what a person does in those last few moments of their life. I like to tell a person that. At least it gives them some hope. And I can't say that that person made it into heaven or not. But at least it gives the loved one and the family some hope. Because we don't know. We don't know what took place. And but you know, here, like I said, in Luke 19, 10, it said, For the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. And he said his purpose for his coming was accomplished. He accomplished what he came to do. When he died on that cross, he spoke some he spoke a word. Anybody know what, remember what he spoke on that cross? It is finished. I came to do the work of my father. And he's telling God, Father, it is finished. I have accomplished what you sent me to do. I have finished the work that you called me and sent me to do. Salvation was complete. Upon Jesus' death, when he died on that cross, shed his blood, salvation was... Can't nobody else do any more. Can't nobody else do any more whatsoever. You know, having a right relationship with God starts off with us acknowledging our sin to God. Now, what I'm saying here tonight is something that you need to tell other people. I think most everybody in here knows the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I believe you do. But I know for a fact you've got family, you've got friends, and acquaintances out there that don't know Jesus. And I think some of you know that if they don't change their way, you know where they're going to be. And it's not heaven. So sometimes we have to take the initiative to say something or talk to somebody. And I'm going to tell you right now, the way things are going in this world right now, you have, you, if you're just given the opportunity, you have more people 
that will come to you and ask you questions if they know that you are a Christian. If they know you go to church. If they know you are in church. If you hear the word. They want to hear what you've got to say. Because they don't know. Many of them flat don't know what they need to do to go to heaven. They've never been exposed to it. All their life. They've just been, the only thing they've known is the world and the things of the world. Now they're looking toward us. They're looking for us to guide them. To tell them about heaven. To tell them about God. To tell them about his love and how much he loves us. You know, but we have to acknowledge that we're sinners. They have to acknowledge that they are a sinner. They are in need of God's salvation. You know, and, uh, when we confess, here in Romans 10.10, 10, I think everyone probably knows it. I don't know if y'all have ever read it or not. Have, have y'all ever heard of the Roman road to salvation? It's all in the book of Romans, what we must do and how to approach people and to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to buy a copy of that and I'm going to put it out here. And each one of you need to get that copy and read what it says about the Roman road and how to approach people that ask you questions about salvation, how to get to hell, what they need to do, how to do it. You know, we think, because we've been in church all our lives, or most of us, of course I haven't, but I've been there, you know, last number of years, but I didn't grow up in church. I could have told you very little about God. I wasn't exposed to God. I didn't have friends that went to church. My parents never went to church. I was never taken to church. That's the only time I was in church was at a wedding or something like that. I think maybe one or two funerals. That was the extent of my church. But you know, I look back at my life, I said, God, if you can work miracles in my life, I know you can work miracles in other people's lives. All we have to do is let God have that opportunity to give him that chance to change our lives. He wants to change us. He wants us to be a brand new creation in him. And, uh, but it says here in Romans 10, For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We have to first of all believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he came, he died on that cross, he went to the tomb on that third day, he came up out of that tomb, and now he's at the right hand of God. The resurrection is simply showing us that when we die, we also will be resurrected. Baptism. They say, well, what is baptism? When, when a man goes under the water, that's just him being buried with Christ. When he comes up, He's rising with Christ when Christ comes out of that grave. That's what it is. Water is simply like a grave. You go under, and then you come out. Just like Jesus went into that tomb, and he walked out. 
That's simply what baptism is. That's our confession of faith that we believe Jesus died and rose again. And we're doing the same thing. We're dying to our old self. We're dying to our old ways. And when we come up out of that water, we're brand new. We have been resurrected and now we belong to God. And, you know, repentance must be accompanied by faith. The faith that Jesus' sacrificial death and his resurrection actually qualify him to be your Savior. Many people ask, how can I believe that Jesus Christ rose? First of all, we just really have to read the Bible. So many people saw Jesus after his resurrection. They knew he died. They knew he was buried. But they said in many times over 500 people saw him after his death. Even all his disciples, apostles, all of them saw Jesus after his death. You know what? Realize that even his brothers didn't believe who he was until the resurrection. They knew he died, but they also knew he came to life. That's when they believed he was God. All those disciples, look how they died. A terrible, terrible death. And they didn't have to die that death. They were told, if you will just say that Jesus Christ did not arise from the, from the grave, that he was never dead, We'll let you live. We'll let you go. Do you know that, that even the disciples and the apostles would not do that? They knew that their Lord and Savior died and he rose from the grave. And they knew that even in their death, they would also be resurrected and be with Christ in heaven. So they knew that. That's why not one single disciple or apostle denied Jesus Christ. They knew. There was only one apostle that did not die a terrible death, and that was John. All the rest of them, horrible, terrible deaths, they died because they would, they would not say that Jesus did not rise. Of course, John was saved to write the book of Revelations. He wrote that book of Revelation. Can you imagine being in the presence of God and God speaking to you, telling you what to write? John didn't write that book on his own. He was told by God what to put down, what to write. So when you read the book of Revelation, you're reading the words of God and what he had put in that book. Book of Revelation is a warning. It's what's coming. It's what this world is going to go through. And we need to realize that. That, that, that God has given us a warning. What we've got time is right now. It's when we need to change our families, our friends, tell them about what's going to take place, what's going to happen. Let them know what's coming. Maybe you can save one of your friends or some of your family out of the pits of hell. You know, I was talking with Becky earlier, and we was talking about, you know, all this uh, vaccinations going on. It's almost like 
a precursor to the mark of the beast. If you don't take it, you can't buy, you can't sell. A lot of it now is going to that point, if you don't take the vaccination, you can't work here. You can't support your family. You can't do that. It's just like, this is running ahead, showing us, giving us an ideal what the mark of the beast is going to be like. Except the mark of the beast is going to be a whole lot worse than this. But it gives us an ideal. When you're exposed to it just a little at a time, you, you see this. It's almost like the mark of the beast. It's not the mark of the beast, but it's showing us a similarity to what the mark of the beast is and what's going to take place. You can't buy, you can't sell. If you don't take the vaccination, hospitals right now, Texas Health, Azel, right here, if you don't take the vaccination, you will not be able to work there. All Texas Health. Many hospitals, if you don't take the vaccination, you won't be able to work here. I know one guy that works there, and he said he don't know what he's going to do yet. He, may, he says he may have to just quit. And I know a girl that works there in uh, ER. She may be leaving. So we're getting a look at some things going on right now. The end is getting closer and closer. You know, Romans 10.9 says, If you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you can... People want to believe here. There's about 18 inches from here to the heart. That 18 inches can keep you out of heaven. If you're going to believe in your head and not your heart. He says you have to believe. In your heart, when you believe in your heart, it's just something you feel that you know, that you know, that you know, that you're positive of. Even though I may not be able to explain it all, I know in my heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that he died, that he rose again. I believe this with everything on me, in me. And that's how we have to believe. God says, I don't want a daughter. We have to believe if you want to be saved. And being right with God, well, it's a matter of how you respond to what God has done on your behalf. How do you respond to what God has done? Sending his son to die a horrible, horrible death so that you can have life. Dying in your place. Being a sacrifice. Going through what you deserve to go through. But Jesus Christ did it for us so we wouldn't have to because of his love for us. You know, God has provided a sacrifice to take away our sin and he offers you that promise. Listen, there's a lot of people that say, God would never accept me. I've done too much. And I think God knew people were going to ask this. So he even gave them a scripture. And it is Romans 10, 13, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever, anybody, I don't care who you are, what you've done, if you will call upon the Lord and believe in your heart, God says you shall be saved. 
This is a promise from God. He's telling all those doubters, hey, I know you are whosoever, but if you can believe in your heart and quit your doubting, I'll get you into heaven. He got a thief into heaven. I believe he could even get me into heaven. You know, they've got a really, really beautiful illustration of repentance and forgiveness in one of Jesus' parables. It really shows how God forgives. And I think Bobby, most of you know what the parable is. Anyway, have you ever seen the prodigal son? Have you ever read that? The prodigal son? About a young man who decided, I don't want to, I don't want to be in my father's house anymore. Let's look at the church. Many people decided, I don't want to go to church anymore. I want to go back in the world. I want to do what I want to do. Well, that's kind of like this prodigal son. I don't want to be in my father's house. I want to be on my own. I want to do what I want to do, and I don't want nobody telling me how or what to do. Well, that prodigal son, the father honored that. Just like God honors whether we receive him or not. If we say, God, I don't want you to be my wife, God says, so be it. It's your choice. He don't force you. That father let that son go. He said, okay, son. You're on your own. Well, it wasn't very long that prodigal son went through every bit of inheritance that the father had given him. Spit it all. Blowed it. Tried to find him a job. He was swapping hogs. And you know, for a Jewish boy, that's one of the lowest things you can do is have to deal with a hog. But then what he was dealing with those hogs, he thought. He said, he was sitting there and he said, he came to himself. He came to himself. He said, what am I doing here in a place like this? Look what I left. Look what I had. And now, I am so hungry, I'm ready to eat with the hogs. And that young man said, you know, I'm going to rise up and I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go back to the Father. I know he won't take me back as a son, but maybe he'll put me back as a hired hand. Well, even those hired hands had all the food they wanted, everything they needed. Their needs were supplied. So that young man started out. He went back home. And he said one day the father was standing outside. He said he always kind of looked down the road, always looking for that son to come back. Looked down the road, and all of a sudden, the father sees something. Could it be? Is it? Is it? And all of a sudden, they said that father just took off running to meet that young guy coming down the road. He got to him, threw his arms around him, kissing on him, hugging him, loving him, welcoming him home. That son was trying to say, Father, I do not deserve this. I do not deserve this. And that father wouldn't even let him talk. The father told one of the people, he said, go get the best robe and let's put it on him. Those robes were for very special guests that come to the house. He said, get the ring and put that back on his finger. The ring showed sonship. That ring had an emblem on it, a symbol, a crest. That young man could go to town. If he needed something, he didn't have to have money. He'd take that ring, dip it in the ink, and put it on a piece of paper of what he bought or what he needed. 
That's all he had to do. That was like he was signing a check. And the father, a state, always honored that mark. Put sandals on him. Slaves were the only ones that didn't wear shoes. Son, you're not a slave anymore to the world and to the sin and the things of this world. You're back home. You are my child. You are my son. And he told somebody, go kill the fatted calf because we're fixing to celebrate. My son who was dead spiritually is now alive forevermore. That's God's mercy. That's God's grace. All of that young man did, the father still run, loved on him, and forgave him, and welcomed him home. God's always going to welcome you back to his house. He's going to welcome you back into his church. Never be afraid to come to God. I don't care what you've done. Never be afraid to come to God and ask for forgiveness. Ask him to walk with you, to forgive you, and to be with you. And, uh, you know, God keeps his promises, including the promise to forgive. God said, I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you. In Psalms 34, 18, it says, The Lord is nigh or near unto them that are of a broken heart. Sad, worn out, broken down, just depressed. He says, Excuse me, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save such as be of a contrite or a true spirit. If your heart is true when you come to God, God just simply, I forgive you. Welcome home. That's God. He don't put you through a bunch of stuff. He just simply accepts you coming to him and asking him to forgive you, and he says, you're forgiven. You, you still belong to me. You know, if a person really, really wants to get right with God, maybe you're here tonight. I don't know where you're at with God. I hope, you're, I hope you've got a great relationship with him. I think most of you do. But you've got people that you know that don't. And you need to talk to them. Uh, I've kind of fixed up a little prayer here that when we repent and we come to God, that we can talk to Him. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, saying a prayer will not save you. The only thing that's going to save you is trusting in God and accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the only thing that's going to save you. Nothing else. So I'm going to close, and I'm going to close with this prayer. So if y'all just bow your heads and listen, if this if this is for you, just say it to yourselves and ask God to forgive you and to come into your heart. God, I know that I have sinned against you. You and I. Lord, I deserve your punishment. But I know that Jesus Christ came and took that punishment that I deserve.
so that my faith in him, I could be forgiven. So I am placing all my faith and my trust in Christ today for my salvation. Thank you, Father, for your wonderful grace and your forgiveness and for the gift of eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I hope that if you've got friends, family that does not know Christ, that you will talk to them. Many people say, well, my family won't listen. You may have family right now wanting to talk. I'll tell you what, it's, it's, really, it's, it's strange, but it's true. More people now are asking questions about God, about the end times, what's going to take place just simply through what's happening right now. They begin to see things. They say, I, I never dreamed I would see America like this. I never saw I'd see it in this shape. They're beginning to question. And they're asking for answers. I hope if somebody comes to you that you can answer their questions. If you can't, just tell them. Let me go home and I'll get my Bible and I'll look up what you asked me just to make sure and then I'll call you back and tell you what God's Word says. I've done that I don't know how many times. I just lost for what I really wanted to say. I've gone home, got my Bible, found the answer, called them back, and told them what the Bible said, and they said, thank you so much that I needed to hear that. So I'm just going to go ahead and close right now. And like I said, this here was just something that was on my mind, because... Be surprised at the questions that you get asked out there. So, Lord, let's just pray one more time. Father, thank you so much for your son. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, I just ask you now, Lord, the people here, and those that are not here right now, Lord, that you put your hedge of protection around them, protect them. Lord, keep that virus away from them and their family and their home. Lord, Put your hedge of protection around it that that virus cannot come through and cannot get through. Lord, we belong to you. We belong to you. We are your children. And so we just ask you to touch us, protect us, protect our families, our loved ones. Lord, I ask you to bless this church. Lord, you've blessed this church so tremendously already. And Lord, I'm thanking you for it. I'm thanking you for everything you've done. And Lord, I'm thanking you for what you're going to do. I know you're not through. So Lord, be with each person. Walk with them and guide them. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.